The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Let's talk about the RT crisis. Dr. Roddy Flynn is with us, Associate Professor and Chair of the School of Communications at DCU. But first, our own Ian Guider, who you hear each day on the Business News, columnist with the Business Post, is going to take us through the key points of what's been announced today. What's in there? Afternoon, Matt. Well, we've just had a 30-page document from RTE Land with us. I'll give you some of the headline figures, as you heard from Ben. Up to one in five jobs from RTE may go over the next four years. Yesterday, we said 400 jobs over two years. It appears that in the coming weeks, a number of jobs will go. Around 40 jobs will go through voluntary redundancy. They will be paid for by RTE money, which they have had in the bank since they sold part of the Montrose campus six years ago. The remaining job cuts will come over the next number of years. They will be voluntary reductions and they don't say where they will come from. So we don't have any details. How many next year? How many the year after? or after that. They also say today that they have looked at selling part of the Montrose site. However, the valuation has come down substantially. The auctioneering firm of the estate agents firm Savills have valued it at around €100 million, well below what they fetched a few years ago when they sold part of the land. Due to a number of reasons, some of the buildings on the site are listed and they can't get out of it. So there'll be no major movement from RTE from Montrose. We're also talking about continuing the freeze on recruitment, pausing discretionary spending, Cuts to programming will be announced in the next couple of weeks. And where else are they going to get these savings? Well, the pay of people in RTE will be tied to the salary of the Director General, €250,000 per year. So lots of the top household name broadcasters on radio and TV will be seeing further reductions in the coming years to their salaries. There's also a raft of other changes in there. I have to say, Matt, I'm a little bit underwhelmed by some of it. They're talking about closing down what they call the time shift factor. So Radio 1 plus 1 or or 2FM plus 1, all of these TV channels that are an hour ahead behind, they will be cancelled. Some radio stations will be axed 2XM. Hang on, how much money are they going to save by doing that? And aren't all those services naturally migrating to streaming anyway? Yeah, and let's be honest, I think the audience for some of these, you could fit in a very small room. I think this plan. It's 30 pages. I've gone through a lot of it. Yes, there's the headline numbers to get the station through a very difficult couple of months, but next year the funding levels are tied to the reviews coming in that are into governance, that are into RTE's culture, that are into exit packages. All of that is next year's funding levels. RTE will need $40 million on top of the $16 million that the government have already agreed. They'll get the first tranche of that $40 million next spring and the second tranche of that $40 million, a further $20 million later on in 2024. But will that be enough if the, the, if the licence fee money is coming down, particularly when the strategy is to reduce operating costs by around 10 million euro next year. Why only 10 million euro? Well, that's all they've identified so far that they can put through. As I said, they will do this initial round of job cuts. They will cut back on all the things they're doing by not hiring, by not filling roles that have been made vacant and cutting back on some programming. But that is that 10 million euro. Matt, we spoke about a number of times that Orti have said, look, we are in a serious financial crisis. If you are in a very serious financial crisis where you're talking about running out of cash next spring and going cap in the hand to the government, why aren't you doing all of these job redundancies now and why are you putting off some of them for up to four years? Dr. Roddy Flynn from Dublin City University, how can you actually restructure a station dramatically on the basis of just voluntary redundancies rather than actually identifying the people who you actually don't need for the new RTE. 
I'm not really sure you can. I think there's a fundamental contradiction there in the idea that if you want to have a strategic vision and a plan for the future, that would imply that you have some sense of who the personnel are going to be, which personnel are going to be in place to actually put that in effect. If it's a voluntary redundancy scheme, then you have not no control over who goes and who stays, but you have certainly less control. I mean, certainly in the past when RTE have let people, or have sought voluntary redundancies, they have said no to some people on the basis that actually you, no, we need you. You, you, you really have to stay. But I suspect on, in the current environment, they'll probably grab anyone they can because that number is so large. 400 people out of a, what, 1,750? Yeah, but they've given themselves until 2028 to mm. do it. So does that imply that they're really serious about it? Because history shows yeah. over the decades, RTE has announced major cost reduction programs and has spoken about reducing the headcount and has very rarely ever achieved the targets it set. No, I agree. We, this goes back to the late 1990s when RTE's um, take was probably, or it, it's, its total headcount was probably in the region of 2,000, 2,100 people. That would drop for maybe six months. And then, presumably, there was some kind of internal thing of, oh my God, we've got nobody to cover this. And so the headcount would, by hook or by crook, kind of leap up again, maybe by going down the freelance contractor route, which in itself turned out to be something of an issue for RTE because they turned out to be not really freelance contractors, legally speaking. So, I mean, there is there is this kind of notion that there's a lot of slack or there's a lot of, I mean, the phrase, you know, leaner, meaner, RTE has been used a lot. That implies there's fat to cut. And maybe there is, but actually I think the empirical study of that, it's not in this document I haven't seen it in the, any previous New Era documents. I haven't seen it in a Price Waterhouse Cooper's report, a Crow Howard report. I mean, so many of these things. But actually, that kind of level of scrutiny of quite where do you make those savings, there's a sort of a sense that, well, should the dogs in the street know those savings can be made? But they haven't actually been kind of empirically, I think. Yeah, but does RT need to be doing all the things that it is doing? Because Ian has given us the list of the small peripheral services mm. that are going to be removed. But the likes of 2FM, is 2FM a genuine public service broadcaster? Do you need RT2 television, which in the plan D Forbes drew up in 2019 there was a doubt as to whether it would continue to exist. Is it fair to the newspaper business, for example, as it struggles with the transition to digital that RT is able to use licence fee money and commercial money to run its own major website in addition to its broadcasting. You're asking me to defend the structures that RTE has had more or less imposed on it from without by the state. I mean, I'm not in a position to do that. And I, and I also, to be honest with you, don't properly understand exactly how that funding goes. And I spend a fair bit of time wandering through, I'm sure Ian does too, and can probably read it better than I can, but wandering through various RTE annual reports and they are dense documents and trying to understand the relationship between different integrated business divisions is a complicated thing. Um, 2FM, I, I get your point, but 2FM is not a cost base for RTE. It's actually an income base, I think. it brings. No, I think it loses money if you actually... It just about, from the last annual report, it just about get, it makes it washes its face. But you have to look at it and say, well, look, it benefits from the fact that its newsroom is funded by RTE and it's able to benefit from the RTE scale. Look, I think the issue here, Matt, RTE doesn't accept that it is in a changed media environment, that there are competitors out there who can do public service broadcasting, public service media, and can do it a whole lot better and a whole lot more efficiently. They're living in a bygone era where they were the only source of media in Ireland and they don't want to accept it. They talk about licence fee evasion and if only we could get more people to pay the licence fee. The reality is, young people out there, they don't want to pay an RT licence fee. They're watching services on a laptop or a phone 
It's not that they don't want to have a TV licence. They don't care anymore. And Roddy, is this something as well that maybe the government deserves criticism for? Because early in this RT document, mm. reference is made to the anticipation of the government putting a new funding model in place or announcing it in the coming months. That this is an argument that's been going on for years and is the external factor which has contributed to RT's existing dilemma. It was in 2009, I think Eamon Ryan was, was Minister of Communication at the time, that the first time there was suggestion that the licence fee should go and I should be replaced by a household broadcasting charge. Minister after minister, Pat Rabbit, um, Alex White, various ones have gone through and have said more or less the same thing. And then for reasons which, I mean, maybe make sense to politicians, but frankly don't make sense to me. Um, they pointed to, well, look what happened with the water charges, look what happened with the local property tax, sure we can't be going down that route again. And the reason I find that confusing is that the household broadcasting charge, there was never really a proposal that was going to be more expensive than the existing licensee. So they were going to swap one system for another system that essentially would have put the same kind of price on a, the same, you know, burden on a, on a, on a household. I don't quite understand what the political cost of that would have been. Nonetheless, that was the that was the decision. But I, I also, I mean, as a cynic, and I'm going to be that cynic or a skeptic at least, you know, would argue that, or might might argue that, like, TG Car has done okay. I think actually in terms of recommendations of it, it getting increased funding in the last ten years, RTE has routinely not done so. And part of me does wonder: is this because TG Car is seen as kind of politically harmless, right? It's been watched by 2% of the population, whereas cutting the legs off RTE might be something that's much more in the interests of a political class. Okay, a couple of positives, so perhaps, out of it, Roddy, that there's going to be more things done inside of Dublin, for mm. example, in Cork, and more money for the independent production sector, not as was misreported that it would be doing half of the programming sure. for RTE, but that its existing contribution would be increased by 50%. Yeah. Again, there are the unions in RTE are arguing that that's the privatisation of their work and that it's a cheap labour in the independent sector. Is that fair to the independent sector? I mean, I think the IPU was a good idea, uh, the Independent Production Unit, when it was introduced back in 1993. It certainly gave um, space to kind of to new voices, new, new new spaces. I think part of the problem with the IPU, though, is that RTE defines what is going to be produced for it. So RTE says we need a show that does this, this and this. And so actually the flexibility that is available to the independent production sector is sort of limited by that. And there's probably more scope for doing that on, on Virgin. But also, I do think the thing about um, decentralisation, that's not just long overdue, it's 100 years overdue. Very briefly, Ian, is this going to save RTE? It'll save them in the short term. The government can say, look, we've got a plan for reform here. It'll go out for consultation for the next couple of months. So it will kick the funding issues of RTE into touch into the new year. RTE will get the money to tighten through all the way to spring. As long as they adhere to the publication of the reports, they'll get the additional funding. Matt, unless they cut their costs pretty seriously, we'll be back here in 2025 or 2026 looking for a further bailout. We have the Minister for Public Expenditure, Pascal who with us next. We'll ask him about this and also about the new new public pay talks or public sector pay talks. Thank you very much, Ian Guider, who'll be back with us after six o'clock with the businesses and Dr. Roddy Flynn from DCU. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.